This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Sometimes life gets in the way. <clears throat> so the other thing is, um, I, the way that I see this is that I, I get to, to worship with you. And yes, I do lead the, the message and some other things in this service. But you give me as much as I, I, I feel like I might uh, give you. And the way that I, I look at it is that when there's a celebration, it's not just a celebration for one person, but it's a celebration for the community. And so that's the way I feel, um, because as many of you know by now, um, I did receive the results from my science composite exam, and I did pass. So I'm very excited about that. And so I share this celebration with you because I feel like, you know, maybe you were stressing out a little bit too for me, and that's okay. Um, I'll take it. You know, I, I needed every little bit so that I can so that I can get there. Um, and so what this means now, I'm not sure yet, but we're we're moving forward, and I think that's the biggest part. And I thought I passed. To be honest with you, I thought I passed, but in the back of my mind, there's always that little seed of doubt, right? I think I passed, but maybe maybe I just thought it was a little easier than it than it was last time, and. Maybe I'm just fooling myself or maybe I'm just trying to hype up um, myself so that I can kind of overcompensate and think that, that I'm, I pass and everything's going forward, everything's going great. Just kind of trying to psych myself out a little bit. But there was definitely something different this time around. So prior to this time, I, uh, so uh, about this, this time last year is when I actually started preparing for the first time that I took the test. So to back up a little bit, I knew that, so I took the test at the end of July of 2021. <clears throat> and that's whenever I got the 235 instead of the 240 that I needed. So it was um, two questions away, basically. Now, before that though, around this time is, I, I knew that I was not going to take an appointment. As an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, we are guaranteed an appointment. So we go through the ordination process, we become an ordained elder, and we have a guaranteed appointment. Appointment. But I knew that that was not what I was, um, that what I was supposed to be doing at this time. And the reason was because you know a little bit about my story and my family story, moving around again. I just didn't see it as something that was going to help my family get to where we wanted to be. Like we really needed to be around our support system, which is in San Antonio with my parents. And I have two sisters and we have our college friends and that sort of thing. So there's our support system. And so last year uh, we came to the conclusion, my wife and I, that we weren't really up for another move. Not right at this time. I think we really need to just kind of settle down so we don't, keep moving backwards, but that we actually do, we, we can settle down and start moving forward. So as a family, that was a, it was a difficult decision, but it was one that we did for, for our family and for our, the fam, the future of our family. So with that said, I didn't take an appointment, which means that I am now on, I was on family leave. I continue to be on family leave. Now what that means is that 
I don't have an appointment, therefore I don't have um, a job or the um, benefits that come with being uh, a full-time um, pastor and all that sort of stuff. So which means I need to look for something else. And that something else, there was a lot of somethings else, but um, teaching felt like it was a, a good step for me because I had been teaching really for quite some time. I just hadn't been teaching like chemistry and biology and physics. I just been teaching um, a lot of Bible stuff and like with youth and with young adults and, and even adults. And so it just seemed like a logical thing. And I would have a lot more time supposedly with my family um, and then I would be off whenever they're off and that sort of thing. So that was a good step for us. But little did I know that when I was given this um, encouragement to take the science composite test, I was like, biology, chemistry, physics, eh, I guess so, I guess I can do that. Um, little did I know that, that this is actually the hardest, the, the, the hardest test that you can take. And so <clears throat> I, I figured that out pretty quickly because I was like, oh, biology, okay, chemistry, yeesh, okay, physics, wow, all right, so let's do this. And so for two and a half months, basically straight, I was studying for this test. And then I came up short, right? And so I had to take some measures and, and do all that sort of stuff. But, but here we are now. And I feel like I, I'm glad that I went through that so that I can be here and I can really, truly appreciate and be able to rejoice in this time. Because it was a long, arduous task. Because at that time, I was like, okay, I'm so close, but then we have to do other things. And so I was working there and then here and then, you know, raising a family, all that sort of stuff. And then trying to find some time um, on the weekends, in the evenings, uh, whenever there was a break to just study. And it was tough. It was real tough. But I know that all of that is going to pay off and has paid off because I did pass a test, which is great. But at the same time, I wonder... I wonder if my sons really know what I have done and continue to do, what Laura and I do for them. I mean, it's been a tough year, I'll have to admit, and it's been very challenging, um, but I think we're better for it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not sure that my sons really know like, what daddy does for them. And I think we get the hint of this um, whenever we become parents or even caregivers. Um, whenever you care for somebody and you do something for somebody, I don't think that they know everything that goes into what you're doing for them. And so I think about that. And I think about that I wasn't really grasping what my parents did for me. So how can I really expect my sons to understand what I'm doing for them. And I say me, but it's, it's me and Laura. In order to do this, it is a team effort. And again, I think it takes more than just one person to, to make things happen. I think it does take a community. But I don't think I really ever grasped what my parents did for me growing up. And maybe I took it a little bit for granted. 
I wonder how many stressful days that they had. How many sleepless nights did they have? How much did they have to endure to provide for me and my three sisters? How many sacrifices did they have to make so that we didn't have to face the same sort of challenges that they did growing up? And to take this to the next level, how can we fully appreciate and not take for granted what God has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? I mean, we know that God did this for us through Jesus Christ. We know that. We know the Scripture tells us that. But don't we kind of take it for granted? Don't we? I mean, the ultimate sacrifice was made on our behalf so that we might live into the new life, the sanctified life, the authentic life, and now a redeemed life. And to begin to comprehend this and to take advantage of this, we seek more understanding about what it actually means to be redeemed. And maybe to better understand this, we can look better and we can live better into that life that God has called us to and created us for. So today, we think about the redeemed life. This is the end of our sermon series um, calling Failed Forward. And we talk about this life that, that comes after the resurrection. And each time we talk about what it means to live into that new life, into that sanctified life. And last week, we talked about the authentic life. So this week, we talked about a redeemed life. But, but again, to, to truly understand what redeemed means... I think we have to go back. We have to go back to the Old Testament because the New Testament talks about being redeemed a lot and that Jesus is our Redeemer and that our Redeemer lives and which is great news, absolutely. But do we really understand what goes in to being a Redeemer? So scripture tells us about all of this. We sing about this. So we look to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we understand a little bit more about it, what it means to be a redeemer. And in Hebrew, it's, the word is goel. Goel. And what that means is a redeemer. Okay, so what does that mean? So basically, there is a person in your family. Remember, family was a very closely knit um, group of people that were related to each other and they looked out for one another and so the redeemer was the one that had quote unquote the power of the purse which means they had the money and there was one redeemer at least one redeemer in the family and they would take care of their family if their family ever got in trouble and so to help us illustrate this just a little bit more I think about this example that was given in uh, whenever I was in seminary by my Old Testament professor, and it really stuck with me. So I'm going to share that with you, and hopefully it sticks with you as well. So let's say you're walking down the street, and you are on the sidewalk, and then there is a big dog that kind of comes across your path and trips you because of the... Um, they just get in your way and you fall into a plate glass window. Now you're okay, but the plate glass window is not. 
Now thinking about this, you know that there is no possible way that you can ever pay to get this um, restored. So the shop owner comes out and sees you in the window and that you did it and that it is your fault. He's like, what happened? Well, there was this, there was this dog and then this big dog and it came across my, and then I fell in and I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You're like, well, you better be sorry, but you also better pay for it. And, you know, knowing full well that you cannot pay for it, what do you do? If this is in the Old Testament times, what you would do if you couldn't pay for it, you would have to be indentured to them and to pay it off. Or you go to your Goel. You go to your family's person that has the power of the purse. So you go to that person and you plead with them. Like, I'm really sorry to disturb you, but... This kind of happened. There was this big dog. I was walking and I fell and into a plate glass window. And I'm really sorry, but I, I just, I can't, I can't pay it. Can you help me? Now, of course, it was the responsibility of the Goel, of the family, to, to do this for them. But they didn't have to. It was a responsibility, but they could do it. But they could also do it with strings attached. They can say, okay, I'll do this for you. But this is what you're going to have to do for me, right? And, and if we're honest, I mean, a lot of times we do that because other people do that to us. Like, I am going to do this for you. However, I'm going to lord this over you. I'm going to have this over your head until you paid off and probably even much beyond that. I have power. You're in need. I'm going to take advantage of this. So that's not the way it usually worked, but sometimes it did. So that's what a go-ale did. So a go-ale would go to, the, to, that, um, to that store um, owner would say, okay, I'm going to pay for this, and you're going to leave my kinsfolk alone. It's done. So they're happy. You're happy. Everything's good. So that is what a go-ale is. Now, with that understanding, we come across one of the books of wisdom in the Old Testament, Ruth. Now, Ruth is an interesting story. There's only four chapters, so I encourage you to go back and read this. It's only four chapters. And what we're going to concentrate on is that last chapter and verses 7 through 10. So it's not that long, but, but it is very important because it also exemplifies what it means to be a go-ale person that redeems. So what you may or may not know about Ruth, um, so there's the two main uh, heroines of the story are um, Ruth, but also Naomi. And what happens is, uh, again, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, but all the, the sons and the, the father die, right? And so there's a whole bunch of widows. There's, there's Naomi, who's the, who was married to the father. So her husband died, all of the sons died, and so everybody was kind of left without. They were widows. And we're supposed to take, at that time, we're supposed to take care of widows and orphans. They were widows. They had nobody to care for them, and they had no way to gain um, employment or anything like that. They were destitute. So what happens is 
Naomi is going back to where she came from, the Moabite. She's going back to where she came from. But Ruth says, I want to go with you. And Naomi's like, I don't think you understand. Like, I'm going back to where I'm from. You're not from there. You don't have to go there. Like, you're still young. You can marry somebody else. Um, you know, no, no strings attached. Like, you, you go. You do what you need to do. You don't need to be with me anymore. But she wants to be with her. There was something that was connecting her to each other. So this is where we get that. And sometimes in the, um, the scriptures that are used in weddings and whatnot, I will follow you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your God will be my God. Right? You've heard that before. This is the speech that, that Ruth gives to Naomi. So there, she says, I, I'm hitching my wagon to you. We're, we're going with this together. I know you don't really need me, but I think I need you and I want to be with you. So they go. And again, she's a you know, young lady and she can get married. But they have no money. They have nothing. And so they come to this place and they see that there is this rather wealthy person named Boaz. And that's where we come into this place here. And this is in chapter 4. Again, I encourage you to go back and read it. It is not that long. It's only four chapters. And it's the book of Ruth. And it is part of the wisdom literature. So hopefully we can get some wisdom from that. And it starts out like this. This is talking about what is custom of that day and time. Because as readers, much, much, much later, this is something we have to learn about. Now this was the custom, this is in verse 7, Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to, the, to another. This was the manner of attending in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, Acquire it for yourself, talking about this piece of land um, that was basically uh, Naomi's. So he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belongs to Chalion and to Mahlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Malion, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. Now there's a lot that happened in that one section, those uh, verses 7 through 10. But again, Naomi, that was her place. She was supposed to be there. But Ruth was a Moabite. She didn't belong there. She was an outsider. So for Boaz to say, I'm going to do this because I feel like I'm called to do this, but also he did not have to. This was not necessarily his kinsman. Uh, definitely not Ruth. And so he did this out of the kindness of his heart. But in doing so, in doing so, 
Think about what happens afterwards. What happens afterwards is that Ruth marries Boaz and they have children. And from that lineage comes a line of David and all the way down, Jesus. Imagine what would not have happened if he would have said, no, I don't need to. I don't owe anything to anybody. I'm just going to keep on living my life. But he chose to do that good deed. And in doing so, he not only helped out Naomi and Ruth, but he helped out the entire lineage that they would have together. His story was now intertwined with Ruth's. And in doing so, we are now intertwined with his. So this is what I mean about a, a, a go-ale. Somebody that redeems us is saying like, I cannot pay this. There is no way that I can do this. I will be a slave to this until I paid off and maybe even longer. A redeemer, a go-ale, will say, I will pay for you. And I can do this one of two ways. I'll pay for you and I'll say, no strings attached. You're good right? No debt to me. You're good. Or I will do this for you, but here's what you have to do for me. Now, again, if we're honest and we're in that situation where we have that power over somebody, it's very easy to say, okay, well, what do I get out of this? What's in it for me? But a true goel, a true redeemer is one that says, I'm not asking for anything from you, but I'm seeing what I can do for you. And of course, we take that a little bit further. So now with that understanding of who a redeemer is, now with that knowledge, we can look at Jesus as our redeemer. Now, what we know is that um, these things, like we, we know these very, very, hopefully we should know them by heart. But now let's understand this from a different perspective, knowing that image of what a goel really is. We read John 3.16 and we say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. We usually stop there. But don't miss out on this, verse 17. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved or redeemed through him. This is who Jesus is for us. He is our redeemer. And to get that, uh, to get another perspective of that, to get the depth of what that really means, we go to another New Testament scripture that we should know fairly well. I say this a lot, but this is from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for all, and that means everyone, including you, including me, for all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Now what that means is that there is nobody that is excluding from this, is excluded from this. As soon as sin entered into this world, we were victim of sin. We sin. We are sinners. So what that means is we can try to get in God's good graces once again. But remember, sin separates us 
from God. So we can try everything that we can, but we're always going to come up short. We're always going to come up short because there is nothing that we can do. There is nothing that we can say. There is nothing that we can pay in order to get in God's good graces and be reconciled with God once again for our debt to be eliminated. Nothing on our own. We need a redeemer. We need a goel. We need Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can do this for us. His life, death, and indeed his resurrection is what makes this possible, this new life, this redeemed life possible. And so we end on this here, another, um, another verse from Romans, but this time chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, you hear that free gift? No strings attached. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Without Jesus, we will always fall short. Without Jesus, your punishment, what you're supposed to pay is your life, right? You are supposed to die. Because we think back all the way, all the way back to the very beginning when sin entered into this world and sin entered into this world and what it does is it separates us and we were supposed to die that very day and in a lot of real ways we did we kept on living in the world but it was not the same our relationship with god was not the same our relationship with one another was not the same and so we go on many centuries on and we get into where we are and we get to the cross and we know that there is no way that we can do what is required of us. What we're supposed to receive is death. That's without Jesus. With Jesus, when you sin, you should receive death as a punishment, right? But with Jesus, even though we don't deserve it, even though there's nothing we can do or say or pay, we don't deserve it. Instead of receiving death, we receive life. So this is what it means to be redeemed. And hopefully the Old Testament understanding helps us understand what it means to be a redeemer and who Jesus is when he, we say that he is our redeemer. He is the one that, uh, you've heard this in songs, that paid the price that we could not pay. He paid with his life and once and for all, it was wiped clean. Okay, great news, right? We don't have to live that life of sin and have that hanging over us anymore. We can now go into that redeemed life and live that way. But let's not forget everything that God has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was very expensive. Very expensive. It cost God His only Son, whom He loved his only son, whom he loved, for us. Let's not forget how important that is, how expensive that is, and so we live our lives accordingly. We take advantage of that because we say, I don't want to forget what Jesus did for us. It's real, and it should make a difference in my life. You should see something different now. My redeemed life should look different than my old life.
Why? Because this new life that I'm living into, this redeemed life, would not be possible without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Goel. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. And because He lives, because our Redeemer lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, we can do for others what He has done for us. And when we do this for others that need our help, we can do it with strings, but that's not what He did for us. He said, freely, freely I give. Freely, freely you should live. This is our Redeemer. This is the one we look up to. This is the one we follow. This is the one who speaks into our lives. I have redeemed you. Go and sin no more. I have redeemed you. Go and live into this full life I have created for you and made possible for you. I have redeemed you. Go and do for others as I have done for you. And may we receive that. May we understand that. May we give thanks for that. And let us not take it for granted, but let us live into this redeemed life with a new appreciation, with a new joy and a zeal and a zest for life because he made this possible. We thank our Goel. We thank our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.